Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and I look back on open practice from OTAs on Wednesday. Uh, we look back at what we saw. We each offer up some observations. We talk a little basketball too. Uh, stick around for that. Uh, right off the top of the second half as we discuss our favorite uh, basketball games to play. So that's coming up on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Now, if you're not a football insider subscriber, you missed some good coverage uh, during OTAs. We were texting during practice and after practice. Uh, we had stories that you've got to be a subscriber to read. Uh, we have our daily newsletter that goes out every single day, which I guess is sort of encompassed in calling it a daily newsletter. But you missed out on that. So you've got to be a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Friday Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We are going to look back at OTAs. We were out there on Wednesday, uh, but if you missed it, Mary Kay, Paul Hoynes, Doug Maurice, they did a special podcast that went up on Thursday, uh, kind of comparing and contrasting the Trevor Bauer, Deshaun Watson situation. So we're coming back here a couple days later with our OTA observations from practice on Wednesday. A lot to get into, Mary Kay. Why don't you start us off? Give us some, something that you saw on Wednesday that stood out. Well, I'm going to start off with uh, probably the obvious with Deshaun Watson. I wrote about him yesterday. We all saw the same thing. Uh, he's an elite quarterback, and that showed even in seven on sevens with no contact and 11 on 11s with no contact. He just moves uh, with such uh, you know agility and such athleticism and the ball. I mean, the, the ball just jumps off of his hand. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful ball that he throws. He's got incredible arm talent. Uh, there were a lot of deep balls that he threw. Uh, I mean, it really looks to me like a lot of these guys that struggled last year with an injured Baker Mayfield are, are going to look a lot better this year. Uh, I think the tight ends are still going to be used a significant amount. Uh, I, you know, they worked a lot on Deshaun to Amari Cooper yesterday when we were out there. And, uh, you know, it just, it just looks to me like, um, you know, it, it made sense what they were looking at in terms of just the football side of it, why they put their team and their community and everyone through the controversy uh, and just the distraction of all of this. Uh, they were looking at that elite football player. It just looked easy. 
you know, now obviously look, we're talking about sevens on seven on seven, 11 on 11. But what I mean by that is like, just when he threw the ball, mm-hmm. it looked easy, right? With And it's such a contrast to Baker because Baker's a smaller quarterback and he, he really kind of needed to torque up to, to throw the football um, just because of the way he was built with Deshaun. It, it wasn't really like that, especially the deep balls. It just looked like it was really easy. The release was fluid. I mean, you could see every bit of what is he? Six, two, six, three. You could see, He's just a more prototypical looking quarterback. Scott, what did you think of Deshaun? Yeah, the, the smoothness, I think, really stood out and just like effortless. The, the way he threw a lot of those deep passes, they did one drill where they just kind of took it two steps back and it was trying to hit someone on a go route down the sideline. And it was, you know, there was no heaving back and, and, and trying to get it was just a, a flick, you know, and it's like. It's like watching Omar Vizquel play shortstop, you know, like just smooth. And he made like extraordinary things look kind of ordinary and just routine for him. And I mean, we're, we're just talking about a drill here, but uh, that's kind of like what watching Sean Watson play quarterback is. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot, it looks a lot effortless more so than again, like you said, with Baker, a violent throwing motion for him. Um, and that did show up in practices a lot, um, even though they're, you know, not really big time throws that you're going to see. Yeah. Ashley, your first impressions kind of seeing Deshaun on the field, throwing the football to receivers for the first time. Yeah. I think fluid is probably the best way to, to describe it. And I mean, like Scott said last year, especially watching Baker Mayfield with the shoulder injury, like the way he had to force the ball to try to complete some of those deep passes, because even though it was his non-throwing shoulder, like we know that that can, that can still affect your throwing motion, especially for a guy of his size. So uh, yesterday especially was really interesting to kind of see how how much work him and Amari Cooper got as well because I think going into OTAs and and obviously when we get into training camp later on how those two mesh and how they look in the offense I think is going to be something that we're all watching but um, watching him out there yesterday it definitely was I think effortless on the field is is a good way to describe it and then Mary Kay when you sort of obviously you know you wrote about kind of the whole picture yesterday right so just aside from the throwing right we see him come out and give Anthony Walker the gift what what sort of sense did you get from guys as we talked to them and watching guys on the field with him as far as how they were responding to having him there well I'll tell you what it it appears to me that it is so vitally important for Deshaun Watson to win over his teammates. He is trying really, really hard. And I think a lot of it comes naturally from what I've heard about him before as a person, aside from all of these lawsuits, he's always been uh, just a, you know, a gym rat, a real team guy, somebody that rallies the troops around him, extremely generous. So as you mentioned, we saw him hand this Rolex box uh, to Anthony Walker. Then I came to find out a little bit later that he's also donated $50,000 to Anthony Walker's father's high school program. His father was a high school football coach, not coaching anymore, but still working at the school, I believe. Uh, So he donated $50,000 to that Miami area high school program. Uh, And he's also buying Anthony Walker's suits for the entire season. And he, he came to find out that uh, Anthony, you know, has a little bit of flair to him. He's a little bit uh, flashy when he, you know, when he dresses for games and things like that. So he wanted to seize upon that. Conversely, Anthony Walker did not want anything in return, wouldn't take any money. And these things came as a total surprise to him. So, uh, that, and then you factor also in the Bahamas trip, you can see that Deshaun Watson's really trying. And I think it's working when we talk to Nick Chubb and I use this in my headline, he said, we all love him. 
right? We all love him. And I thought, I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. They haven't even known him for that long. Uh, and so I think he's doing a really, really good job of making sure that these guys know he's all in, he's going to bring this team together as best he possibly can. And, uh, and that he is committed to, you know, team unity. Yeah. It's, it has stood out to me that he's sort of taken obviously all this money and like put it into, you know, getting Anthony Walker, that gift and taking the team to the Bahamas. And, you know, we, we can cynically talk about how he waited till the cameras were on to give him the gift, but he still gave him the gift, right? Like, it still happened. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how every single one of his teammates feels about the off field stuff, but the reality is, is he's one of their coworkers and he's, he's at least making an effort to, to bridge that gap. And I, and I saw a guy on the practice field yesterday that was a part of the team. Like you could just tell he, you know, they were playing knockout after you just tell he was a part of the team. He's running, working routes with Amari Cooper and it's not that Baker wasn't doing some of this stuff too. I mean, we spent all last season writing about how Baker and Odell were working to the side, but mm-hmm. it, you saw some of that stuff with, with Deshaun too. And I think like to this effort, basically what you're saying, Dan, like this effort by him is not surprising. And yeah, that is kind of like cynical to say, right. Because of like all of the allegations off the field that are swirling around him, like he knows that it could be a distraction. I think they all know that it could easily turn into a distraction for other people that are there who are his teammates who obviously had nothing to do with this. So it's it's kind of understandable, I think, why he's going maybe this this extra mile uh, when you look at everything that this team is gonna is gonna have to contend with this year. I mean, obviously there's there's a lot of people who are unhappy with this move. There's a lot of people who really like this move. So I just think overall, uh, it's not really surprising to kind of see this effort. And I think the best thing for the Browns is there was nothing that really seemed out of the ordinary yesterday. You know, there wasn't anything that made you wonder if he wasn't fitting in or something like that. It just, it seemed kind of normal. Okay. And, you know, let me add real quick for Nick Chubb to come out and sing the praises of Deshaun Watson. I thought it was kind of significant because he was one of Baker's best friends on the team. They came in together in 2018. He still stays in touch with him. He believes that he's going to be successful. But for Nick Chubb to be willing to come out and and profusely, effusively praise Deshaun Watson like that, uh, I, I thought that said a lot. All right, Scott, what do you have? Oh, let's talk about the cornerbacks because we saw uh, Greg Newsom playing in the slot yesterday. And I think that's one of the first things I think everybody was looking for. I think both me and you, Dan, were trying to text that at the same time to (laughs) to our subscribers because it was something that was kind of obvious and we were looking for. Uh, But when they did come out in seven on sevens, it was it was Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward out wide and Newsom in the middle. Uh, I did notice that when they did full full team drills, uh, though, and they had three linebackers and only two corners, it was still Greg Newsom out there with Denzel Ward. So perhaps it's going to be a situation where he's just basically on the field all the time, uh, which, I mean, either way, you, you, the Browns are in a situation where they're going to have their best cornerbacks on the field. They're not going to be substituting someone in just because he's the quote unquote slot guy, not that Troy Hill, um, was some sort of huge step down or anything, but uh, it just seems like the plan is to get their best guys on the field. And this, and this does it. Um, I mean, he was the guy who came in this year with the most experience there. He played basically week 17 and 18. I can't remember exactly why Troy Hill was out. I think he was hurt at that point, uh, but Newsom played over 30 snaps each of those games. 
Um, it was up and down. He like PFF grading had him really good against the Steelers, not so great against the Bengals. Didn't do so great against the run in either of those games. Uh, but he did say he's put on a few more pounds. Like it's only three, I think, at this point. <laughs> but he said he wants to have some, you know, some more bulk to him to because he knows he's going to be closer to the line. He's in that kind of in that path where you know pulling guards are going to be coming at him, uh, trying to blow him up and and open paths for their running back. So he knows that that's part of his game that that's probably going to have to get better. Uh, and just the whole overall traffic of having to play in there is a little different, but uh, he, 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 he pretty much came out and said, I'm a smart guy and it needs to be smart to play this position. So he didn't really seem to, to be, he was up for the challenge. He, he didn't really seem to be bothered by, by what looks like a pretty you know significant role change compared to what he did last year. That, that Northwestern education, Mary Kay, shout out to, to Scott Petrak, <laughs> that Northwestern <laughs> education yes. for Greg Newsom. It was funny when he said that he gained three pounds because I went to lunch today with some friends and I'm pretty sure I gained three pounds at that lunch. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, he, he did look a little bit bigger than we remember seeing him last year. And then, you know, when he said it was three pounds, I was like, Oh, I gained that in one weekend. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do think um, he will spend a significant amount of time inside when they, when they are in, you know, nickel dime situations and things like that. Uh, but as I mentioned yesterday, I also think that, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit different this year. And I do think that we will see uh, everybody playing a little bit inside, depending on what the situation calls for. I also think, you know, this is something, one, one of the reasons that at least I thought this was potentially going to happen is because we sort of saw this last year, right? Like Greedy Williams would play on the outside, Greg Newsom would play on the inside, then Scott, like you were saying, when they would go to you know, two corners, Greedy would leave the field and Greg would move back to the outside. So, so they were obviously doing that again yesterday. Um, so I, th I think that's why this isn't super surprising and adding Martin Emerson, Ashley just means that's another guy that can play on the outside now. So if yeah. something happens with Greedy, if he takes a step back or if he gets hurt or something, you've got Martin Emerson who can be that other outside corner as well. Right. And, you know, it is like Scott mentioned, I think last week, Martin Emerson never played any snaps in the slot in college. He was like strictly outside, but it is curious when they have talked about him. Like, it seems like it wouldn't surprise me if we did see him maybe getting some work both inside and outside, even though he hasn't done that, like maybe they like some of his traits and especially his length. So I think when you look at that pick now, again, they just added some more depth for themselves, especially with losing Troy Hill. Uh, and yeah, Greg Newsom being there, I think, isn't isn't that surprising given they got a little taste of that last year. And obviously they liked what they saw enough in those like 102 snaps, whatever it was. And I, I was writing about Newsom uh, yesterday and it occurred to me that I never really paid attention to see who was playing slot on the second team <laughs> after him. So I don't know what the plan is yeah. there, because like I said, they they don't really have many guys who have a lot of experience with that. So. Uh, and obviously they needed multiple guys in that position last year. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, it's look, it's OTAs for us, too. I, I had someone asking who was playing on, on the defensive line. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I didn't actually notice he was lining up a defensive tackle yesterday. Ashley, what do you have? Yeah, you know, I'm actually going to go to the other part of the trenches and the offensive line. And in something that was not a surprise, we did see Nick Harris getting first team reps at the center spot, which again, not too surprising, but did get a chance to speak with him yesterday. And overall, he just seems like he's 
settling in nicely. You know, we were talking to him about how he managed to stay involved mentally over, you know, while he was playing behind JC Treader and how much confidence he got from grading out pretty well in that Green Bay game, which again was the only game we saw him get offensive snaps in last year. But um, he was kind of talking about when they, you know, parted ways with JC, like no one called him from the, like from the coaching staff to be like, you're next up or, or anything like that. He said he was just kind of like, it's go time. But um, JC Treader did actually call him after that move was made and kind of wished him luck and, and offered advice as he needs it. So um, overall, I just think they, have shown that, and he talked about this too, like he's obviously shown them something in practice that that we are not necessarily privy to when we're out there during the season. So uh, he just seems poised, I think, to step into that starting role, at least for now. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's what they have in mind. And um, I think they brought in Ethan Postage and signed him um, as a free agent from Seattle. And he's got a lot of starts under his belt. As we know, Nick Harris has only started one NFL game, but they see something in him. And I think they want to give him the chance, uh, but they do have competition at the spot. And uh, the person who is behind him right now, again, has started 40 some games or something like that. So um, that that's good. That'll be good for Nick because you have to be on point at that position, especially when you're going to be snapping the ball to Deshaun Watson. Uh, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, that you are, you know, exactly what you're doing and that, you know, that you're worthy of that job. Uh, but there is competition. And, um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in camp. I did notice that it was Harris with the first team when they were doing, uh, it was basically kind of the walkthrough portion when we first got to see practice. Uh, thing about Postage is that, uh, while he does have like 45 or so starts, um, he didn't actually move to center until his last two years in Seattle, although that does make up the bulk of his starts, but he was a guard. So uh, even if he isn't the guy who's starting at center, he seems like a really good candidate to be that swing guy in the middle, able to play a few different positions. So we could see him, we could see both these guys make the roster at the end. Okay. I've got one here. Uh, this is for, sometimes I wonder if they're just like messing with us. So some like quality control coach in Baltimore, will see a tweet about like a formation or a play or something. And it's like, Oh, better put a note down on that. And we have to work on that when we play the Browns, but Browns fans will love this. We saw some Kareem hunt and Nick Chubb together on the field yesterday, pretty good amount, honestly, for the first OTA practice. I thought Kareem was usually split out wide. Um, I didn't notice who was in the slot. He probably was, but we saw them on the field together. And Mary Kay, I might've said this to you. It just got me thinking like, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I've got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson all in the backfield, and I don't know where that ball's going because it's a read option and, and, you know, my guys have no idea who has the football for a split second, that's going to keep some guys up at night. Oh, it, it really will. And, you know, I think that the coaching staff must be listening to the Orange and Browns <laughs> talk pod because how mm-hmm. often do we talk about this? Uh, getting those two guys on the field as much as possible, splitting Kareem out, putting him in the slot, getting him involved in the passing game. And it never happens as much as we all kind of think that it should. And I do think that it, it helps to confuse the defense because you don't know, uh, you know, who's getting the ball. You don't know who's running the ball. You don't know if they're passing it or running it or whatever the case may be. So I think it really lends itself to that ambiguity. And, um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, Deshaun can be the one 
you know, that, that pulls it in and, and runs it in those kinds of situations. So uh, I, I saw a lot of things like that out there that made me think, boy, they, the offensive coach, coaches must just be having a field day with all the things that they can do. Because, I mean, they thought that they could do all these things with Baker. And especially last year when he was injured, it just didn't work out that way. And then they lost Odell. And I'm sure he would have been involved in a lot of those things. And Kareem wasn't around and uh, for nine games. And Jarvis was hurt a lot. Now, with all these guys healthy and with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, now I really do think that pick your poison that we've been hearing about for a couple of years, I really think that uh, that medicine is going to be there. Here's, here's the thing about, about that, because <laughs> I noticed that too. And I also noticed uh, – uh, I don't think Johnny Stanton is, was with the running backs that day. I think he might've been with the tight ends when he was out there playing. He was also with the tight ends and he was used in a similar way to how they were using Kareem hunt out there. He was kind of lined up in line a lot. He was next to a tight end a lot. Um, but I don't think they're going to use as much 13 personnel. They're not going to have as many three tight ends, but I think they're going to have like two running backs, but one of those guys, probably Kareem hunt is going to kind of be like a tight end in disguise. in a lot of these formations, that's what it looked like uh, when, when we were watching them. Uh, you had Kareem Hunt out up near the line. They may be going in motion before the snap, right at the snap, that kind of thing. Um, so then you have him coming across. You have Deshaun Watson, right, holding the ball and, and kind of surveying whether he's going to keep it or give it to Nick Chubb. And you're right, that does cause a lot of problems. And it's, you know, it's, it's similar to, to what you get from the Ravens because you add that extra dimension of maybe that quarterback taking off and, that's tough on a defense. Um, but I do think a way to get Kareem Hunt on the field more is to kind of blur the lines between his position and tight end. Yeah, and I am curious because I feel like we have this conversation so much, especially last <laughs> season we had about there should should they play Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt out there? And like Dan said, it's like, are they kind of messing with us a little bit by by doing that? But I am really interested in what Kareem Hunt's role looks like, like Scott was saying. And like, we talked about a ton and I agree with Mary Kay like that. I don't know that they use him as much as they could. Like I would like to see more from him in this offense. So if they're going to blur the lines like that, that, that might be a way to get around it and to give him more chances to, to produce for them. Okay. Let's take a break. And then we'll, uh, we'll throw out some more OTA observations in the second half. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I've got an observation that is not exactly football related, so I will save mine. Uh, who? It's it's fun. Don't worry. Who's uh, who's got one? Who's got a really good one here? I'll just throw the floor open. Well, if, Dan, if yours, um, oh shoot, I don't want to steal what. No, go what, for it. What yours was going to be? I hope. Does it's it have not, to do with basketball? Is yours basketball? My, okay, you, I'll just say it. I was. <laughs> You go do yours. Go ahead. Knockout is the most underrated basketball game. Right? <laughs> like that. The fact that they were playing knockout was 
like like it's cool they have a basketball hoop out there and all that but these guys were playing knockout which is just when i was a kid and playing basketball and scoring two points a game when my coach during practice was like we're gonna finish by playing knockout that was like the most exciting time in my life so (laughs) props to them for playing knockout knockout is a better version of horse for sure basically when you think about it um there were a lot of misses yesterday though (laughs) as you were watching them i don't remember anyone making their first shot in knockout they were relying the last one on a lot of putbacks a lot of putbacks and it's funny as somebody who's like also covered the Cavs, you know when we have guys like i'll use jared allen as an example right like he was out for a while we're watching him do pregame warmups and taking video. Like I'm always really cognizant of the video I take because I'm like, if this guy has a lot of misses, like he's working his way back from an injury. I don't want people to start hammering him on my Twitter, but this, like some of the comments I'm like, yeah, that, that was some bad shooting. Like you all deserve a little, a little criticism for the basketball I mean, skills out there. But they're on grass and the wind's bent and they're probably in cleats and they were tired. They had no. gone through their whole day, not to make excuses for them but you got to get some more makes up there when you know the cameras are out hey john johnson Johnson made it when he had to the pro move from john johnson and this is this is what really stood out is he rebounded both of the balls right yeah carried them both back handed it to deshaun and he was ready to shoot as soon as deshaun missed and he came here in the clutch so the the in keeping along this vein you know (laughs) i think it's great that uh kevin stefanski has this basketball hoop out there. And he told a little story about how he uh, bought this thing three or four years ago uh, when he was with the Vikings and he had it shipped here and it was at the condos right adjacent to the practice fields. And he would shoot around over there with his kids. Of course, he's comes from a big basketball background and a big basketball family uh, with his dad, Ed Stefanski being the longtime NBA exec. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a hoops family. Um, I'm also a hoops family. Most people don't know that about me because, um, because I cover football and uh, people just wouldn't know that. Now we know Ashley played division one basketball at division three. I wish I played division three. I'm sorry, division three. (laughs) I was not a D1 athlete. Division three. I I was thinking, my husband played division one basketball. Uh, I was thinking, so that is, and you played at John Carroll, which is so cool. so, you know, I think all of us have, you know, some little Dan, you've coached you. I did. I, I coached. I'm still haunted. See, this is why I don't know how Kevin's fans yeah. do this because I am still haunted by our fourth grade basketball team. And we lost to like the best team in the league. We had like a eight point lead going into the fourth quarter and we lost. And I'm still haunted by some decisions I made <laughs> years ago, losing that game. So, so I can't imagine how Kevin Stefanski responded to Green Bay last year. Right. So, I mean, so we all, you know, have an appreciation for, you know, how much fun it is and how much these guys love to play basketball. I mean, they do. Ashley, you see them at all the Cavs games, Greg Newsom. Yeah. I mean, there's so much crossover in terms of them, you know, loving to shoot hoops. And a lot of them had hoop dreams, including Miles Garrett. And we know that, you know, Greg Newsom was a great basketball player in high school. Okay? Yeah, Jay. Okay, so the so it's it's kind of fun, but the the idea here for Kevin Stefanski is that he's trying to make OTAs more fun. These are voluntary OTAs; they don't need to be here, and they are also trying to foster team camaraderie and team bonding. And this old little hoop with the bent rim is accomplishing that goal very nicely. 
They're having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, they have their little stories. When, when uh, we asked Greg Newsom about it yesterday, uh, you know, he, he declared himself the best basketball player on the team and that he'll beat anybody. Um, so we'll see what Miles has to say about it when he, he starts to get involved. Well, there's actually a Division One college basketball player on the team. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, why was he not involved in that game? <laughs> to, to your point that, you know, in terms of building the camaraderie, like it's, it's almost like for me, the, the OTAs, that's what I was curious to see what we saw in that regard out there. Because at the end of the year, we heard repeatedly from multiple players that they didn't feel like that chemistry was necessarily there, especially between the offensive and defensive guys. And it's like, we're in May right now. So much can change between now and week one in terms of X's and O's. This isn't even full contact stuff. Like we don't fully know what this is going to look like yet, but taking the right steps to like make it fun. Like we're talking about building some of that camaraderie uh, and making sure guys just are in the building and present, which like we said, there's, there's been good attendance there so far. So I think all of that is is kind of a, a big point that might go under the radar a little bit these next few weeks. Hey, I, I am totally remiss in not giving my poor son, Chris, a shout out. Uh, he, last night at Lost Nation Sports Park, he and uh, and his team, they won the uh, they won the championship. They won the rec league right. championship. And Chris is a point guard, just like his daddy. And, uh, and so if you go on Chris's Instagram, you can see it. They're holding their big trophy there. So Chris Merman underscore. So (laughs) I, I'm sorry about that, Chris. I forgot about you there. Um, but anyways, so, (laughs) so yes, absolutely. 100%. It's just something that's fun. And I think as we go along through OTAs and, and get, and they start to wrap up the, um, the mini camp on June 14th through the 16th, I think you're going to see a few more things like this. I think Kevin Stefanski recognized, I mean, remember, remember back to last year, half these guys didn't show up. Um, and, and that was in part because of JC Treader urging them not to. Um, but the fact that they're here, they're, they're being rewarded. They're having a good time. And I think that he'll find more ways to incorporate fun into the program. And listen, this isn't training camp, right? This isn't, you know, battling for roster spots. This is just the spring. This is just the off-season program. I mean, we've seen, I mean, Bill Belichick made a tradition out of just canceling the last week of the program, you know, if he was happy with what they did. So, you know, coaches that do this stuff, it's it's a good little reward that, you know, not taking this for anything more than it is. You know, we're going to show up, we're going to get our work done, but we're also going to remember it's the off-season program. We, we don't have to treat it like it's, you know, the middle of August and everybody's fighting for roster spots. All right. Wait, oh, who's going to organize the media knockout game? Mary Kay, Ashley. can you get on that? Can you make that happen? Ashley will do it. Okay. <laughs> no, no video allowed. No, yes. absolutely not. <laughs> I, I do think, honestly, I think players would love to see that just to heckle our complete oh, they would love lack it. of athletic ability. Yeah, they would love to laugh at us. No question about that. <laughs> All right, what else do we have? Scott or Ashley, do you have one? Yeah, I, I was just going to mention linebacker real quick because when uh, when they did start doing seven on sevens, we saw a lot of Jacob Phillips playing middle linebacker. Uh, at first, he was he was out there with uh, JOK, and also Anthony Walker is kind of outside. Um, so you had Jacob Phillips in the middle of that trio, 
which I thought was interesting. But we did uh, could see a lot of Anthony Walker in the middle as well. So it's really hard to tell where they're at with that. But we do know JOK is always on the field. And Taki Taki seems to be first choice uh, among the strong side guys. So um, those positions seem to be set when they go to three linebackers. But Jacob Phillips, Anthony Walker, uh, that's something to watch as, as we go forward this offseason. I, th- I yeah. thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, I thought so, too. And last year, I think they had some pretty high hopes for Jacob Phillips. Uh, heading into his second season last year when he um, when he tore the was it the it was a bicep was a bicep it was a bicep Um, when he tore the biceps in in those joint practices against the Giants and uh, the Browns were obviously very disappointed about that because I think they expected him to take a nice big step up into his second season so um, so yeah I think you're going to see more of of Jacob Phillips on the field this year for sure okay Mary Kay you got one more yeah, you know, the uh, the other thing that kind of stood out to me yesterday was uh, the arrival of Jadavian Clowney and the impact that he has on this defense. And Miles um, Garrett wasn't there yesterday. Again, these are voluntary workouts, and he is working out somewhere else right now for one reason or another, but he has been in and out, apparently. Um, but Jadavian was there, and he may have been there, you know, in part because he actually did sign his contract yesterday, his one-year deal worth up to $11 million. Um, but he just has a significant impact uh, on, on his defensive teammates. I mean, they really look up to him. Uh, I think I might have tweeted out a, a little video of them, you know, laughing and talking to him. He likes to hold court. He likes to, you know, he's just very gregarious. Uh, he has a really nice effect on uh, on these guys. And of course, you know, when you've got somebody that makes that many pro bowls and that has been the number one overall pick, uh, they look up to a guy like that. And so he's one of the, you know, he's one of the elder statesmen on the team. He's been around for a long time now, and, uh, he's just very, very well liked. So in addition to what he brings in terms of pass rush from that side, in terms of setting the edge from that side, he's just, he's, he's a good leader, but uh, but in a sort of a, a lighthearted, funny kind of way. He's not a Perrion Winfrey leader by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he more so keeps it light and fun. And, uh, and he was, you know, just doing that yesterday. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it was interesting to hear Anthony Walker Jr. talk about him because Jadavian was there. We didn't get a chance to speak with him in a scrum or anything, but Anthony Walker Jr. had mentioned like he had texted him maybe a month or so ago about, you know, trying to maybe recruit him to come back and he didn't hear back. Then he saw him somewhere in person and when it, Jadavian wasn't really tipping his cards one way or the other. And then he, after the, the signing became official, Anthony Walker said he texted him and just said Super Bowl. <laughs> and that was all Jadavian said back to him. And it's interesting that that's his mindset, I think, number one. And talking to Anthony Walker, he was a linebacker. He kind of reiterated all the things we've been saying about why it's important for them to get Jadavian back. And he's so good at setting the edge. He's so good at, you know, going against the run that as a linebacker, that's, that's a luxury to have him and Miles Garrett both doing those things. So uh, definitely some good insight from his defensive teammates, even though we didn't get to talk to him. It seems like guys really like him too. Mm-hmm. So sort of what you were, you were getting at Mary Kay. It just seems like, you know, you look at the social media reaction after he signed and just seeing guys interact with him and him and Anthony Walker to get like, it just, 
for whatever reason, and this is stuff that we miss when we're not in the locker room, right? We usually get to see these interactions and kind of see the guys that just, like you said, sit there and they'll hold, they'll hold court, right, at their locker like Sheldon Richardson used to do. Um, you, you get to see that stuff, and we haven't gotten to see that, but it does feel like guys are really like having Jadavion around. I've got to yeah. say, I think he'd be somebody I'd enjoy hanging out with. Yeah, I think he's Bill. funny. I, I get the sense that he is funny. And like you said, we, we don't get to spend, you know, we haven't been in the locker room in a couple of years. And so we, you know, we didn't really necessarily get to see that side of him, but I, I watched him very, very closely in practice all last year. And, and he's, he's funny. If you guys remember the, uh, when he was just screaming his head off about how cold it was uh, that one day. Uh, and, and it was just hilarious. And he, you know, he I just think he, he brings that, uh, you know, keeping it fun element like Odell used to do on the other side of the ball. But I also think that one of the ways that he will be very beneficial is in mentoring, not necessarily in a super, uh, you know, vocal, here's how it done, here's how it's done way more of a, you know, just watch me kind of way um, with Alex Wright, Perion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas. They drafted three offensive linemen. And they have Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett to look up to. And I think that's just going to be of tremendous benefit to them. Yeah, it was good. It was good to see 90 back out there. You just mm-hmm. you just tell there was a little bit of, of energy. Um, we'll, we'll see if he sticks around or not, if we see him again at minicamp. But it was good to see him out there for that day that we were out there. All right, that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And also make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. For Scott, Ashley, and Mary Tam Dan, thanks for listening, everybody. 